Welcome to the Scottish Business Podcast, where every week I will be sitting down with a CEO to talk to them about their challenges, their successes, and what it takes to build a successful business here in Scotland. I'm Sebastian Mackay, and this week on the Scottish Business Podcast, I'm being joined by Jude Macquarie. Now, Jude Macquarie is the CEO of the Scottish Business Resilience Centre, and we're going to be talking about the need to retrain the Scottish workforce to support the growing tech industry, and how working from home has taught businesses that women can be excellent mothers and employees all at the same time. This is my conversation with Jude Macquarie. Thank you so much for coming along. I really appreciate it. I thought it would be cool to start off with a little bit about your background and and what the Scottish Business Resilience Centre does. Okay, so I joined Scottish Business Resilience as CEO the week of lockdown. Oh, wow. So my, yeah, so I actually, I'm running a team um, and yeah, an organisation that I haven't met a lot of the team in person. So we're all looking forward to getting back to the office and being a team. So it's been a very, very difficult, probably for a day of difficult thinking, what am I going to do? What has happened to the world? This isn't the start of my first CEO job that I thought it would be. Um, but the, yeah, a few days before it all kicked off, I had a conversation with Paul Atkinson from Power Equity. Mm-hmm. And I knew him from my previous role in the data lab and stuff. And I worked with some of the companies that they'd invested in. And uh, he said, well, what are you going to do around resilience in Scotland now for business resilience? And I was like, well, that's not really what SBRC does. And he's like, why not? And I was like, well, I don't know why not. So I looked and I said, well, actually, nobody else is doing it, particularly around the SME market. Um, so we thought, how do we mobilize that conversation and get the conversation going and get the help out and advice out to organizations so we organized a webinar around help for covid um, and our first one we so we tried all different technologies so we decided to go with zoom because we had 650 people registered and we didn't know how we were going to get them so we couldn't take 500 for our first webinar Mm-hmm. And then we decided that we'd record them and put the the um, webinars up on YouTube. So, and then, so the first one was really, really good. We had people like from Adelshaw, um, Goodard, from A Squared B, all given very, very practical advices, advice to organizations around what they should be doing. Um, people not putting their head in the sand and making those business decisions um, early on to make sure that they weren't just dragging on a, a decision and, and, and not making those decisions to, to make sure that they survived post-COVID. And I think during that first week of lockdown, people were kind of thinking this is going to be maybe six, eight weeks and we'll all be back to the office again. And as the weeks went on, the story progressed and the advice got different as well. So it went from hysteria to actually there is support out there where do we focus our attention on getting that support um, so we had again advice would come out from government or new funding schemes would come out but we'd wait until the week after to deliver that information because the likes of again Shepherd and Wedderburn um, Adelshaw Goodard A squared B and stuff they got their people to look at the advice and look at the information and break it down to bite-sized chunks for organizations to know whether they should spend their time 
applying for stuff or well you know there's no point in spending eight or nine hours on a phone to a bank or to some organization when we haven't got a chance in hell of getting any of that money yeah, yeah exactly. also mobilize the conversation as well with vcs um from around the world to keep that conversation going in scotland the outward focus as well going what's happening in New York, what's happening in San Jose, never mind what's happening in Aberdeen and Dundee, that we were trying to get that conversation going as well, that the difference in the Scottish marketplace where people were waiting for government support um, from financial support from the banks and stuff, whereas the message we were getting from the likes of, you know, companies in New York and stuff was, we need to get on with it. We can't be relying on government aid or the banks coming back, everybody's in the same position. So the banks had to mobilize people to work from home. They've been in the same sort of flux as well. So of course there's going to be delays. People have family at home and kids and stuff like that as well. So everybody's in the same boat as us. It's not going to be business as usual. So now, so, sorry, you go. Yeah, and, and also I think we were very, very lucky to get the advice as well from the, the VC community. So they came on, they gave up their time. And I was very... I don't know, shocked that, that business people gave up their time and see really senior business people gave up their time to help the SME community and organizations in Scotland. But the way that they seen it was actually, we're preparing this information for companies we've invested in, we think is the right information. So we should be opening this up to organizations in Scotland to make sure that they survive this the same way as the companies that we've made an investment in. Mm. Because a lot of these people have made huge investments in Scotland's PLC because they want it as a place to do well and they want these other companies to thrive as well and they seen they said well half of their time before was traveling and now they're at home and they've got more time so they can give it back to the scottish business community so now that we're in year nine thousand of lockdown what <laughs> what are things looking like how are you know what are the messages from vcs and, and how are smes kind of handling things at the moment so i think that the vcs and people like that got quite bad actually this is really good and I got, I'm going to backtrack on this conversation because this kind of positive, um, you know, getting the message out and doing podcasts and, and conversations yourself are really good. What I did find the whole way during lockdown was that the Scottish press didn't really want good news stories. Mm -hmm. They wanted the doom and gloom and they didn't, they didn't concentrate on the good things that were going on in Scotland. So actually the VC community got bad rap. And then yesterday I was talking to um, Paul Atkinson from Power Equity and, you know, that some of the, the angel activity, I'm speaking about some of the stuff that I took down. So for the, for in 2019, there was 41 deals. Um, this year there's been 58 deals. Wow. Already. Yeah. So in the, in the same quarter. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there's been a huge amount of investment even going on around COVID, but that doesn't get out in the press. But I did see today that the um, uh, Archangels had put some stuff out as well about the companies that they've supported. So, you know, th that kind of stuff should be getting out into the press. It should be getting into the press about the companies that have pivoted. Also, the companies that have done really, really well that haven't just sat on their backsides thinking, what am I going to do? So you look at little bakeries and stuff like that around Scotland that have turned into delivery services and stuff. There's none of that cele celebrated in the Scottish business community and Scottish press. So we, they should actually the, the press should pivot. You know, I know a lot of them are on furlough and a lot, of, but that should be to build Scotland back up to what, what it is, but it's not getting out in the press. Whereas if you're in Ireland, the press would be really, you know, to be celebrating the fact of the health of the government, the health board and the business community. And over here, we're very good at putting each other down, I think. 
Right, yeah, but I mean, big shout out to Considerate Donuts down by the Meadows who pivoted to a delivery service with donuts and ice creams and everything, and it was... The vegan donut company. Yeah, yeah. I love but I'm brave and they're cinnamon. Aren't they wonderful? But but that's there's such a good example, right, of, of a company yeah. based on what are we going to do? We can't just lose everything. So for you know, obviously SMEs, there's a lot of variation in those kinds of things. Do you have broad ideas or suggestions for how people can focus on resilience as things maybe start to open up but are still quite unsure right because we could go back into lockdown if things kick off again yeah and i i think what we've learned is and particularly for me i you know i went into an organization that's probably had 50 percent of police officers working with me who mm. never worked remotely had always you know um reported in for duty in the morning and stuff and then they were you know they've got a new ceo um and it just shows you what you can achieve from working from home. And I hope people have learned from that as well to be more flexible, particularly for, you know, mothers in the workplace and women in tech and stuff like that as well, that we can have it all, that we can look after our families and to, to demonstrate that as well. And we can achieve really great things. Um, I think the things that are going to happen probably in the next few weeks is furlough is going to come to an end. And also there's going to be costs around furlough. So I think, some companies will bring forward those decisions around are they able to afford to keep staff? So I think we need to look at how we retrain and reskill people to mm -hmm. ensure that we've got where are the areas that are going to be worst hit and where do we need then the, the different skills and stuff. And we do have, you know, we should be starting that conversation now because the inevitable is going to happen. And you can reskill people in coding, um, in data science and stuff pretty quickly. So these are the areas that we really do need to look at. So the hospitality industry is going to be cut probably in 50% of the people are just going to be required in the next few months and stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, you know, I don't think there should be a, a huge difference in the homework inside of things. If we're put back into lockdown, we've really shown that we can deliver from, you know, everybody can from working from home. And the people who haven't been delivering are probably the people that weren't delivering for the workforce anyhow when they were in the office so that sort of presenteeism type, yeah. Right? yeah yeah i think the interesting thing about working from home and i've seen a lot of this on linkedin and some of it i agree with and some of it i, I don't people saying you know do you prefer to work from home or in the office or a mix so i think there's a distinct difference between working from home and working from home during a crisis right or a pandemic but nonetheless i think that it's interesting because we're sort of reshaping how we do work in a way you know, it's gone from having to be seen to be at work nine to five to just sort of being judged on output. At least that's, you know, what I've heard from other businesses I've spoken to. Yeah. And, you know, do we need to work five days or, you know, work, be present for five days? Can we be more flexible? I think all those conversations, we shouldn't just go back to being nine to five Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. that we should take these conversations and you know work with the, the people who are you know and, and make sure that we're given that choice to people because actually it was the employees that stepped up they brought businesses into their homes and their lives and they should be respected for that going forward mm. i know that new zealand were talking about trialing a four-day work week to try and boost the economy with local tourism and that kind of thing would would you like to see something like that to help um, you know, those, I don't want to say frontline, like supermarkets and things, but you know, those smaller SMEs that rely on foot traffic and that kind of thing to help, to help give them a boost. 
I think it depends. So some organizations can't do it full stop, but there's nothing stopping. And my staff, if they listen to this, there is nothing stopping organizations like ourselves doing that. Um, or that somebody could have a Monday off and other people can have Friday off. And I'm, you know, during lockdown, I've asked, I've actually given two days holidays to staff because we were working so hard that I felt tired. And if I feel tired, then the rest of my team will be as well. So I need to step up and make sure that I can't see them physically, but I can see them online. And I'm going right next Friday, we're off or next Monday, we're off. And we've also changed that Friday afternoons is down tool time. And um, my PA was like, do you need a Zoom meeting for down tools? I was like, it means nobody does anything. <laughs> she didn't really say, so we had a good laugh about that one. But um, yeah, I think they're the kind of things that we need to start thinking about. And also not just around um, stimulating the economy, but how do you how do you space it out? How do you space out the visits to the garden centres and to the coffee shops so that's not everybody's going on a Saturday and a Sunday? They've got maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to do it. So mm -hmm. I think that would be that would be good as well. But I and I totally understand that not all organisations can do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are some things that you would like to see um, to help businesses be more resilient? Whether that's information sharing or grants or you know more of a, a tighter knit business community. Um, I th so I, I, I think grants are good, but I'd like to see it as an investment rather than a grant. Mm -hmm. uh, how, if you're, instead of saying, we'll give you a grant and then that's it, what does the, what, turn it around and say the same way as VCs, what do you expecting back from that? You know, mm -hmm. what, there should be some so that basically we are calling Scottish business to action if they get money that they're going to have to put it to really good use. And they will be asked in six to 12 months, you know, what did that investment create for Scotland? So we have some sort of KPI as well for that. Um, I do think, you know, the things like the webinars and stuff like that as well, I think what was missing was that business conversation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even as basic as you go for a meeting and you have the chit chat before the meeting, you have the chit chat at the end, even during, I think we've all got very much, we have our Zoom call, that's it, we move on to the next one. We're not even giving ourselves that time to think between meetings or to have that um, laugh or I'm just come off actually a, um, a webinar to prepare with a team to prepare for the cyber one tomorrow. And it's probably the first time that that group of people who've probably seen, who probably would have normally seen each other maybe every week, the first time they've seen each other since lockdown and they're having a really good laugh and you can, you know, they're all the slagging and stuff. They haven't seen each other in months mm -hmm. that has been missing. And that's a really, a really important part of Scottish business life. So we need to get that um, mobilized. We need to get it out there. And we need to keep the conversations going. You know, when we started doing the webinars as well around Dundee, somebody said to me, are people in Edinburgh furloughing? It's like, everybody's, it's just that you forget that we've, you know, we're all living in our, just in our little mm. world, not even communes. This is our house. We don't know what, what business looks like for people. Yeah, yeah, that's been a really interesting thing for me. I mean, I, I came up from New Zealand three weeks, I think, before we went into lockdown. So sort of similar timeline for when for when you took the CEO job and to, trying to learn and navigate business in that environment, as you know, you well know, has been a really interesting thing. Really sort of a strange experience as well, because, you know, I used to rely on that sort of meeting and calling people up and going to see them at their offices or that kind of thing. And all of a sudden you're, you're just kind of, 
like just sending emails. It's sort of, it's been a strange experience. Or even just like there's lots of people that I would go, we'll just go for coffee, we'll meet for breakfast. And you just, you know, you support each other. And I would hate that if a company went under because they didn't have that support or they didn't have the advice or they were afraid to pick up the phone to somebody because it didn't feel normal. We need to normalize that it's okay to not be okay as well in business. And that if there's, you know, if there are hard decisions to be made that you feel supported, if you do have to close down your business, that you do feel supported as well. Um, and that, you know, people are there to help you. And I think once those kind of conversations happen and even when the VC, you know, when people like Paul Atkinson, I was like, somebody wants to spend a half an hour with you. Is that okay? And he's going, of course, mm -hmm. you know, and after the half an hour, I get feedback then from somebody going, he was amazing. He was brilliant. You know, he put my mind at ease. If we can do that, you know, we have to, we have to, I think it's really important that we have to keep those conversations going. A little bit earlier, you touched on women in tech and being able to have it all and stuff. And I, I really want to explore that because I think that there, there's a lot of maybe blindness around it is the, is the best way to put it and people maybe not understanding the dynamics and things. And do you think that this has created a, a really big opportunity in that respect? Yeah, I think for me, I always, I chose my employers and um, by the work-life balance and to make sure that my kids didn't come seconds. Whereas I, and, and my mom just always says to me, you were lucky dude. And I said, it wasn't luck. I didn't just come across these people. I took a lower wage and that shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case that you should have to, you should have to take a lower wage because you didn't want your kids, you know, I've no family over here that could help support me and stuff. So I had to do everything myself around myself, my husband with children with pickup and stuff like that as well. Um, but, you shouldn't be said you're lucky that you're able to do that. The conversation should be that you look after your kids and you do your work as well. Because even with, and I've noticed with my, two, by including your kid, if you go home and you have to take a call in the car, then so what? If you have to take a call in the morning when you're getting breakfast and stuff like that, so what? But your kids, it's normalizing work and it's given them that conversation about the learning things in business studies my 15 year old and she's going oh, is that what that means and is that and she's picking up things just walking past here when i'm on webinars and stuff as well mm -hmm. um so we shouldn't there shouldn't be this it should be a normal thing that kids family women in tech you know I, my first job in tech was in dell in ireland mm -hmm. and they were so progressive um, with women in in tech when nobody really was and I, I didn't understand that anyone would be any different until you go back and you leave you know an organization like that and you're going why does that not happen or you know, Dell used to give you know they looked at term times um, uh, they, you know you went if you didn't start work until you dropped your kids to work they didn't want anyone feeling pressure they wanted people to come into work and feel that they were present then when they're in work which is a really big thing for women. Do you feel like that's a uniquely tech thing? Like, I mean, obviously I'm a man and I don't have children, um, but my experience with tech companies has been that they tend to be more flexible than non-tech companies. Or do you think that from that perspective? I think it, I think it, I think it all differs with leadership. Mm -hmm. I think what's, you know, if people can see me leaving early or you know that I'm including my kids and I remember when I you know when I took over as CEO one of the girls that works with me she was like you know I've got I've got kids dude and they're, they're going to be around when I'm doing this you know maybe I should as I 
oh, that's fine. And they're part of the conversation. It's now a normal thing for Emma, who's two, to join the webinars. And actually, you can see her growing up in the last few months that's all as well. And she knows everybody and she waves and never seen her cry, never seen her <laughs> throw a tantrum around like that. She's just amazing. It's just like, I have to behave whenever mum's here and stuff. And she just goes about her normal day sitting beside her mum. That's so cute. Yeah, so I think people have to be mindful mm. that you have, especially as a you know high achieving woman or somebody who wants to keep on with a career and stuff, you do have this element of paranoia that you're not good enough mm -hmm. um, and bosses have to be able to support that and, and leaders that it's like, no, you can support your kids. You can make sure that your kids are okay, that they're okay in school and um, they're okay when they're ill, but your career is here and you'll be fine. And where do you see the SBRC kind of fitting into all that? Do you think there's a, a leadership role or an informative role, or do you think it's part of this whole adapting to new COVID life where people are seeing results from people working from home and juggling lives and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and we, we actually, we've been going through things that I didn't really want to do over zoom, like, you know, setting out with, we've, 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 we've um, delivered and we've got a new strategy ready, our branding and stuff. And now we're moving on to our culture, which mm -hmm. was part of the strategy, but how do you articulate it? And mm -hmm. the things that have come out is around inclusiveness um, and around family, but not, not, but also around that we can, what was the word that somebody said? we've a platform to be passionate about what you do so if that's been a parent or it's about talking about your kids and stuff like that 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 you don't hide that platform or if it's about your technology and stuff like that and that we respect that from each other and that's what we want to live by is that whatever you're passionate about is part of you and it still comes across in SBRC. Mm -hmm. For you, I mean, looking forward, and I know you've been like a CEO under the gun for the past, you know, beyond 100 days now, but what are your, what are your plans? Where do you see things kind of fitting in um, over the next, say, 10 weeks as we start to pull out of this thing? For the business world or for SBRC? For the business world. Um, I do think there's going to be a lot of change. I do think um, furlough has been very good. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, with um, people are, you know, are, I hope companies are keeping in contact and being as honest as they possibly can with their employees as well um, to say whether they'll be able to take them back on or not and, and to have that conversation and be inclusive as well to say, you know, things are tough or, or, you know, we need to restructure and stuff like that. Don't leave your employees out. Keep that leadership going. Keep the conversation going and the inclusiveness as well. So kind of that idea of no surprises, right? Just making sure everyone... Yeah. Knows. You know, okay, if, if people will still be getting paid at the moment and stuff like that, but give them the time to look for a job and stuff and, and be open and honest with them rather than 10,000 people looking for a job in September. I don't... And hopefully, I think, you know, Scotland is a resilient organisation or is a, it is a PLC, but um, <laughs> Scotland is very resilient. So we came out of the last crisis and I think we will come out of this one as well and and have learned very different skills and very different things about each other and stuff like that as well and just how supportive people are with each other i think that's a big learning thing for everybody i think it's so great that there is so much good news buried amongst all this i know yeah. you were saying before that we don't hear a lot about it and uh, you know i can't imagine owning a business right now and, and trying to to navigate all of that but being able to I think bring some of those stories up and some of that news up is such a great thing. And be patient with people because 
it's not easy for nothing. Even if your company's doing well, that doesn't mean that it's easy. You've still got the same constraints around supply um, around your staff, you know, all that kind of stuff. So just, I think we need to be patient. Jude, thank you very much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Jude McCurry, the CEO of the SBRC. If you enjoyed this week's chat, make sure you tune in next week when I'll be talking to the CEO of CodeClan, Melinda Matthews, about bringing the power of coding to the Scottish economy. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to leave a review anywhere you get your podcasts and tell someone that you think would benefit from hearing about Scottish businesses.